Hey, what up, Long Beach? Hope you're staying dry, clearing your schedules, because we got a lot more local sports talk right here on this podcast that updates you on everything happening with our local schools, their sports teams, and our community at large, as always. We're the 562.org. I'm JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Garbasio, and What Up Long Beach is brought to you as part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post, uh, in addition to plenty of great sports coverage and all of our education news coverage we've been doing for the Post. We'll have coverage of tonight's school board meeting as well. Uh, among many, many other stories for The Post. I'm Tyler Hendrickson. On today's pod, we have a pair of special guests for you. Uh, we will be talking to Cabrillo baseball coach Philip Berman, the former Jordan Panther. And we will also bring on our good friend Chris Trevino, who's a USC beat writer for 247 Sports. And uh, Chris will be talking about the testing at, for USC football and how that might relate um, with the testing at the high school level that's, that's coming up because, guys... High school sports, more of them are coming. We're excited. No time to gild the lily. That's for sure this week. It's March 3rd. It's 1.40 p.m. on a Wednesday. We got to timestamp it. Everything changing so fast. And the calendar's doing the same thing right now. Like Tyler said, more high school sports coming back. We are actually all going out to high school football practice this week. And next week at the 562.org, you're going to be able to see our season preview. It's going to look a little different but it's also going to look a lot the same because you're going to get everything you possibly would want to know about the local Moore League St. Anthony football stuff going on here in the city. Like I said, the previews, we're working on them. Uh, but as we'll talk with uh, with Buitz about, Chris Trevino about it, and we're also talking to Philip Berman about it too, the clearances, the grades, the physicals, there are still a lot of hurdles for these local schools and their sports teams to jump over to get back into action. Uh, yeah, we can take them one by one real quick. The first thing I wanted to mention is the physicals, because I was just talking to Stacy Alexander, the vice principal at Cabrillo, who's a good friend of ours. And she said this is a huge, huge hurdle for them and for Jordan still. She said flat out the, the Cabrillo cross country team has not been able to get physicals for their kids um, all of a sudden now or in the ones they've been able to get the people are charging $50 a pop for a lot of the kids can't afford it. So um, we put out a call to the Century Club, and we'll put out a call in this podcast right now. Um, shoot me an email or a message on social media if you are a doctor who is willing to volunteer a couple hours to go and help get those kids' physicals and get them cleared. I'll put you in touch with Stacy or with someone at Jordan. Um, but the fact of the matter is, uh, we've talked about it on this show, every inequity in our society has been magnified by this uh, pandemic. And testing, physicals, all these things are harder to do, um, you know, for the kids on the West side, for the kids on the North side. And we, we want them, we've seen how much joy it's brought people to be able to play sports. We want them to have that same opportunity um, that everybody else has. And, and, and just to build on that, Mike, uh, it's very well said, but I think to kind of peel it back a little bit for people who may not know in a normal year, doctors would be made available on campus for, for uh, student athletes at the high school level that they can show up and know, hey, you can come through, you can get your physical, it's not going to cost you anything. And obviously that's not available right now because they can't have, you know, more people on campus. You can't and, invite and 500 the... people to the auditorium to get their physicals. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and it's definitely something that we've heard. The problem is the, is the largest um, at, you know, Cabrillo and Jordan, but we've also heard, you know, that a lot of Wilson kids are having a tough time and it's just like, they can't just go Polly to as well, a yeah. minute clinic and pay, you know, 80, a hundred dollars 
to get a physical, either they can't get there or they can't afford that for their family's financial situation. And it's really, um, it's really a big ask on families. And so if there's a way to, to remedy that, you know, <laughs> we want to see that happen so that kids can compete. They've been going through enough this year that we, we should try our best to collectively remove this hurdle. Um, and, the, and, and the testing piece is another big part of it, specifically for the high contact outdoor sports, being football and water polo. However, there is an opportunity to avoid that testing. We will talk a lot more about the testing later on because, you know, there's a, there's a chance it will happen for football. It will have to happen for water polo. Um, on the 8th is the, a big showdown between um, Polly and Wilson. And so th they're going to have to get those tests and get, you know, get negative tests in order to, to compete. And then hopefully on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, the adjusted case rate will be below seven is that that's accurate to get us into the red tier. And then we will not have to test teams and coaches going into football games. Yeah. It, it has yeah. to be six, 6.9 or lower. The um, there's been a lot of confusion as with all directives from the state, because the, the directives did not necessarily include uh, the most thought out FAQ type of information about how is this actually going to be applied. So they actually still have not really issued guidance on what do you do if you have a positive test, which is kind of an important question. The schools would all like to be able to say, hey, we're following the state protocol here, as opposed to making things up on the fly. But um, if you look at the reporting, uh, you know, it, from reporters who cover like five different school districts, they're getting five different answers. What we know in Long Beach is, um, you know, if, if it's one kid who tests positive, you isolate the kid just the same as you would in a classroom. Because there have not been sports-specific guidelines issued, I think it's going to treat a, a team as a classroom, which means if you have three, you're shutting the program down. Um, if that follows the shutdown that's been required for everything else, that's probably going to be a two-week shutdown, and the kid is going to need to test negative before the kid is allowed to participate in activities again. But just to be clear, the water polo more league season is two weeks long. It's six, it's three games this week, three games next week. So or three games next week, three games a week after that. So a positive test on a couple of teams could effectively completely wipe that sport out for this year. Um, and it could more or less be the same thing with football um, if we don't get down into that red tier. So that's what you see a lot of people wondering. I will say um, the, it's difficult because the county does not provide an updated case rate number. So we just have to wait every Tuesday. I've been counting the number of cases in Long Beach and LA County just to see week on week where they are. One by Tuesday, one, it takes forever. Tuesday's number was lower than the previous Tuesday's number. So one of the seven days that will be in this next window, the number would go down. And if that remains the case, it doesn't need to go down very much for LA County to get into the red tier. But I would note that I covered several school board meetings in August and September where everyone said, the case rate's at 7.1. The case rate's at 7.3. It was even at 7.0 at one time. And all kinds of plans were being made for, well, we're about to hit the red tier. Well, we're about to hit the red tier. It never happened. LA County's never been in the red tier. So that's why I'm watching this so closely because that will be, as Tyler mentioned, a huge change for how many games are actually able to happen, how many kids are actually able to compete if we do finally get into that red tier for the first time since the tiers were announced. Well, we mentioned water polo. It's not the only other sport coming back that we're working on previews for. We've got boys and girls soccer in the Morley coming up on the week of March 16th. They're going to be playing all boys and girls at the same time. It's going to be a Tuesday, Thursday schedule. So that's going to be very interesting. I'm also working on a story talking to the new referee assigner, for the local area because assigning referees for all these soccer games is going to be as strange and uh, 
you know, unprecedented as anything else going on. Speaking of strange and unprecedented, there are still no student athletes on the campus of LBCC practicing, conditioning, or anything. Because the SCC, which is the conference LBCC plays in, decided that they're not going to do full spring sports. And LBCC is not getting any in-person instruction going on campus right now. So you can check out that story about what that means for the Vikings. I mean, baseball coach Casey Crook put it perfectly. He said, quote, the most marginalized people in the nation right now are junior college athletes. And I think he's absolutely right. Wrapping it up, got to hit Long Beach State as well. Their basketball team's getting ready for the Big West Conference Tournament. And on the schedule right now, we've got Long Beach State men's volleyball, the Dirtbags, beach volleyball, and softball, all with their schedules released all just around the corner from action. I do want to timestamp this, as, as JJ just mentioned. It's 148. I've just uh, been sent a report from Cal Matters' uh, Emily Hoven, who's been tracking a lot of the state's uh, changes in policy. She uh, says that Gavin Newsom is currently saying the state may in the next few days, quote, incorporate vaccination rates into the tiers, which would help people reopen more quickly. Um, I think especially if you've been following what a great job Long Beach has done uh, compared to the state as a whole, that could certainly affect those tiers. Because once we hit the red tier or a case rate of less than seven, we mentioned the testing, but that also will allow uh, middle schools and high schools to reopen. Uh, for in-person learning, um, and it gets us closer to a potential return of sports like uh, you know basketball and volleyball as we continue to move down the line. So potentially really big news there. We'll obviously have an article about that if there's any changes in the way that those tiers are assessed, uh, which sometimes a few days means one day, sometimes a few days means in a month. Um, so we'll see when that info comes out, but potentially some breaking news there as we are recording. You know, I saw a question posed on Facebook the other day. Some, you know, one of my fellow Long Beach residents um, inquired, you know, who's got the best ribs in Long Beach? And for me, it was an easy answer. And I wasn't the only one. It's Naples Rib Company down on Naples Island on 2nd Street. Head on down to Naples where they've got a terrific outdoor dining setup. I know <laughs> the owner, Dave Ursini, is ready to do away with it and resume indoor dining once it's safe and allowable. And hopefully that's a few months away. But in the meantime, head on down to Naples and enjoy their beautiful outdoor setup. You can also get to-go orders and eat at home. Visit ribcompany.com or give them a call. Their ad is all over our website and our videos. And of course, we want to thank Naples Ribco for their continued support of the 562 and everything that we do. So head on down to Naples Rib Company, support the people who support Long Beach sports coverage. We now bring on our special guest, a man joining a prestigious fraternity of Long Beach athletes we've covered in school, another back in the LBC to coach. It is Cabrillo baseball coach, Philip Berman, the Bermanator. What's up, man? How you doing out there? Doing well. Uh, it's, it's been a while since I've been called that, but it feels good. Um, <laughs> uh, we do it all the time. How are you? How's everything been going? You doing okay? Your family doing good? Yeah, family's doing well. Um, I don't know if you guys can hear mom's teaching second grade in the background, but uh, no, we're doing well. Just kind of, you know, following the guidelines, listening to the experts, just taking it easy, you know, taking the virus seriously. And as far as me, I'm excited that cases are trending in the right direction and looking like we're going to be able to hopefully play a season, you know, which is kids are really excited. I'm really excited. So yeah. We'll what, was the, what was the reaction for, uh, for, for your team when you told them, Hey, the guidelines came down, we're going to get to play a season, you know, for a while there in about December, January, kind of, it was kind of gloomy, you know, the, you know, for me, I'm, I know I'm a, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. 
even you know, the, the way the cases were trending, it, it was hard for me to kind of be enthusiastic. But, you know, the last couple of weeks, things are really heading in the right direction. And the kids are excited and I'm excited and kind of the enthusiasm and our energy levels really there. So the kids are really excited. And so well, what did it, uh, what did it take for you guys to get back like on the practice field and get together? I know there's been a lot of hurdles that coaches have had to deal with, you know, what's that process been like and you know, what's the, how much have you been able to work with your team and, and get to know the guys? Well, originally we were doing the uh, conditioning about three times a week, following all the LBUSD guidelines, wearing kids making or wearing the masks um, social distancing. So I was able to get to know the kids. I mean, we have a lot of returning guys, but we also have some new guys that I was really trying to get to know and really kind of emphasize the, the kind of culture I want on the baseball field, you know, always hustling and working hard. So that was one of the fortunate things. Um, and then recently just making sure all of our paperwork's in order. And so we're, we're good to go. Um, as far as getting the kids cleared, our first game's in a few weeks. So Speaking yeah. of paperwork, that's usually a hurdle that a lot of first-year coaches have to get over. How has that been going? I mean, grades alone, right? Usually coaches are worried about kids messing around in class and not getting good grades, and now it's so much more difficult to track mm -hmm. that stuff because they're virtually learning. How did grades and clearances and, and getting physicals go for you guys? Um, it's, it's going well. Uh, we're still working on getting a couple of our kids' physicals, but we found urgent care centers where they can just walk in and get them. And as far as grades, you know, I'm, I'm really fortunate. We have a great teacher of record, Mr. Siqueiros, that he's, I mean, he's just like another coach, you know, he's always there um, checking on kids' grades and really keeping me informed. Cause I, like I said, you know, with the, the social distancing learning, it can be hard, you know, and I'm taking classes too for my teaching credential at Dominguez Hill. So, you know, I'm with the kids. It's, it's tough. It's not easy. You don't get that in-person interaction, you know, it's, if you're struggling, it's, you can't just go up to the professor after class or your teacher after class and, and get that additional help. You know, you know, I, I think we're, we're looking pretty good as far as clearances and our, our grades are, um, you know, really good for, um, you know, and I know it was a tough circumstances this semester. So. Yeah. We, uh, we, I was actually just talking to a football coach about that. Like obviously the 2.0 GPA requirement is there for a reason. And, you know, I'm not, certainly not in favor of, changing that but given what we know that your kids the kids on the west side the kids on the north side like those are the kids that have struggled the most academically just because the internet's not as good you know there's too much there's more stuff going on in the house like across the state it's sort of been the poorer communities that have struggled more with the grades it, I did kind of think about maybe they should have changed that requirement for this year just because of, of how many stories we've heard about you know what I mean that it's just like kids are really struggling and and we're it kind of feels like we're double punishing, you know, some of these communities for the fact that they don't have internet that's as good or, you know, these other challenges. I don't know, but I'm glad to hear your guys are doing good. That's, <laughs> that's a good, that's a good step in the right direction for sure. Cause I know there's a lot of people, you know, a lot of kids are struggling with it for sure. Well, and for, and for those that don't know, um, you know, Berman, a great career at, uh, at Jordan High School, Allmore League uh, first baseman who we love to cover. Um, it's great to have you back in the league of what, I'm kind of curious, like what, what drew you to, to the Cabrillo job and um, you know, what sort of enticed you to take that job and, and, um, and go on the other side of the seven ten rivalry as I continue to try to make that a thing. No, it's, uh, it's, it's for sure. Rivalry, but no, um, the, the previous head coach, he was there coaching at, at Jordan, um, Pedro Torres. And, you know, for me, I'm extremely competitive and I wanted to coach varsity, you know, um, and, you know, for me, you know, one of the biggest things is I didn't have a chance in, in high school to make the playoffs. And 
you know, a big thing with Cabrillo, it's they've never made the playoffs in, in baseball. And I think it'd be special, you know, to eventually one day, hopefully work to, and build it up and, and get to that position to where in the playoffs, you know, and that was a big thing for me. And I think it helps too with, you know, myself playing at Jordan. I think it makes me relatable to the kids. You know, I'm a Long Beach guy. I played at Jordan. Yeah, just kind of unlucky for you to uh, take that job last year uh, and then have, you know, have happen what happened. Uh, but I talked to you for the preview last year and you were talking a lot about your style and your coaching style. Talk a little bit about that. What kind of coach do you want to be as you start your career? You know, for me, it's I was really fortunate to, to play for some great coaches. You know, Mark Prager at Jordan is a great hitting coach. Uh, coach Mark Gavilar at, at Harbor and Coach Mike Laird, who, who's won a thousand games at, in, in the NAI level. So I'm, I'm saying kind of a mixture of all of the coaches. Like I'm a bit old school as far as, you know, playing, you know, uh, always hustling everywhere, you know, wearing pitches, getting getting bunts down. And but, you know, I also realize it's, you know, the way to get through to players is not by screaming at them. It's by almost, you know, pulling them aside and, you know, motivating them and, and just talking to them, you know, getting to know them. Um, so I guess I'm kind of a, a hybrid in that sense, a little old school kind of as far as like baseball philosophy, as far as strategy, but new school as far as communication strategies. You know, a lot of it, too, is based off the, the Harbor Rat philosophy, the system we did at Harbor. So it's a little modified version of that for the high school level. But like a Harbor Rat, it's obviously they're the, the Seahawks, but the, the Rats, it's it's kind of like how Long Beach State's the dirtbags. You know, it's just the philosophy of like hard nosed baseball, you know, playing the game the right way always laying out for ground balls and getting dirty and just playing, playing the game hard at all times. And that's kind of what I'm trying to implement here at Cabrillo, you know, getting us a, a playing style or having an identity where it's, you know, you show up to Blair, it's like, you know, Cabrillo, you know, they're going to play hard every single inning and every pitch. And that's what we're trying to get. And we're trying to build up to there. And, you know, it's not something that's going to happen overnight, but you know, that's ultimately the goal. Are how they, are they kind of reticent to that? You know, uh, we always talk to coaches who are much older than you who are always <laughs> saying, oh, quote unquote, kids these days, they don't want to work hard. They don't want to do the they don't want to do what you're talking about. Be those dirtbags, be those rats. Have you seen them take to it or has it been a little reticent? No, you know, what? They, you know, they completely buy in, you know, last year. I mean, these guys, I mean, I really get fired up when they dive for a ground ball in practice because let's face it, we don't have the softest field in the in the morning. <laughs> But no, I mean, I make sure when a guy dives or, you know, you know, takes one for the team, our, our dugout gets fired up or in practice, you know, the teammates pump them up because, you know, that's what it's for. You know, you're playing for the name on the front and doing it, anything for the guy standing next to you to win. So, no, I mean, it's not it's not a problem with, you know, it, it is funny, though, that the kids these days think it's like I'm only 26, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so um, but. No, like it's they buy in and I think they like it, you know. They like kind of my intense style, but also laid back and I have the ability to joke around with them, you know. But they know, but when it's time to compete though, we gotta get serious, you know. Sounds like he's installing the the dirt jags culture. No, oh, no the dirt no, jags. No. I like the dirt jags. That's the dirt great. Jags. <laughs> Anything it's the dirt rats. The dirt rats. The rats. Okay. <laughs> Man, that is some really good stuff. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, as guys who have hung out in the Moore League for a few years, we are really excited to see guys like you who played <laughs> in the Moore League coming back, coaching with the right attitude, the right approach, just making a place like Cabrillo a lot better. So thank you for coming back. It's great to have you. And we can't wait to see you out there on the diamond, man. Well, thank you, guys. It was a pleasure.
We also want to give a shout out to Long Beach LTD. Visit the website longbeach.ltd for a bunch of different Long Beach inspired gear, shirts, hoodies, hats, anything to get yourself going. It's the exclusive home of all 562 merchandise. And anything you buy there will go to support the 562.org and the work we do in the Long Beach community. So please check out the selection at longbeach.ltd. Get some Long Beach gear and support the 562.org. We now bring on another guest, our friend, our former colleague, and now a writer at uscfootball.com. It's Maryland's own Chris Trevino. Vuitz, what's up, buddy? How are you? That might have been my favorite introduction ever <laughs> for me and anything. I was going to yell, nice. he a terp, but JJ, JJ had it. He wanted to like make it more official. So <laughs> I loved it. And all this feels very, very weird to me because it's been years since I was on a podcast with you guys. I think the last time I was on a podcast with you guys, I was talking about Bosco football and Bellflower football for games I was covering that week. So this is very were we, surreal- making, were we making you come on podcasts? I have very little recollection of those years of our life. Oh. I have <laughs> strong recollections. And yes, you were making me come on podcasts, uh, which I did not like doing. You were not prepped for that at the time. I was not prepped for that at the time. <laughs> Good thing you your chops because you're all about... I did you, them. You, you're in a podcast world now, brother. Yeah, this is my like... <laughs> fifth podcast in like five weeks it's in like a week not five weeks a week it's very surreal and this feels like homecoming a little bit coming back to see all my my professors yeah except that instead of professors we actually are all still friends and we talk all the time but yes uh it, it's I, I, there's not a good there's not a good analogy i was just gonna try and throw one out there but it doesn't work either anyway thank you for coming on the show um you did cover usc football season and th- that's kind of what we wanted to talk to you about because um, there's so much joy and excitement from our podcasts and all other high school sports media, I think, around the return of high school football in California. Um, we got games next week. You know, we have games nine days from when we're recording. But sort of hidden in the CDPH's guidelines was a requirement that if a, a county was still in the purple tier, anyone doing these high contact sports, which is water polo and football, um, will have to test the athletes weekly. And JJ and Tyler and I started talking and going, well, we have covered some teams that have been testing frequently, and it has not necessarily been the best student-athlete experience. Um, you covered USC football this year, which had a much bigger testing regime. But, you know, what are your impressions of that? Based on what you saw at USC and, and the fact that you still cover high school games, uh, are you feeling as we're sort of worrying that we might see a, a rash of cancellations if, if we don't get out of the purple tier next week? Yeah, because even when – USC and the Pac-12, they unveiled this whole testing model and the Pac-12 was like, oh, we're going to be go, go, go with all this stuff because the testing is here. We would even still talk about like, is this really going to happen? They're going to get tripped up somewhere. It's not it's not uh, if, it's when something goes bad, something gets through and there's going to be an outbreak. And we saw multiple outbreaks throughout the Pac-12. Uh, USC was very diligent with theirs they were very disciplined with the teams they only had to miss one game because of testing Um, but we knew at some point someone was going to get tripped up and then we were going to have to take time off to to figure it all out once the COVID hit uh, certain teams and USC well and and the one thing I would bring up because we've been covering uh, Long Beach State basketball teams which are using the the cheaper test which the the high school kids I assume will be using throughout most of California 
USC at least was using the more expensive test, but um, we've seen JJ, how many false positive stories have you written about the Long Beach State basketball team? Two. Yeah. Right. And so in high school sports, you get that positive test on Thursday, you're not going to be re-cleared for Friday. Um, and also the college basketball team, we cover 16 kids and the high school football teams are 60 to 80 kids. Some of them. Right. So uh, yeah, that you mentioned the possibilities of a real outbreak and I'm almost as concerned, maybe more concerned about kids missing games when there isn't even anyone with the coronavirus, they're just popping false positives. Yeah. I mean, I don't think people realize until you actually see it, but like football is a whole different monster with all the, all the players and you have position groups interacting with each other. That's why even, even though they had outbreaks, contact tracing was so valuable for all these colleges and all these conferences, which I'm assuming none of that's even going to be going on with you guys. Hey, guess whether there's going to be any contact tracing at the high school level. (laughs) But I think that's part part of the point. That's sort of what we're all talking about is like widespread testing, but with the the tests that pop up false more frequently with no contact tracing. So I think the CDPH just released guidelines that says if it's three, if there's three positive tests on a team on either team, you cannot play the football game which looking at our first week, Milliken LaSalle, okay, that's 120 kids. Okay, Polly Sarah, that's 130 kids. Are there, six, are there five false, false positives and one positive? You know, I mean, like, that's very possible. That's, that would still be a very low positivity number compared to the state at large or the county at large. And to think about it, that they had whole Pac-12 teams, like Utah got absolutely obliterated with an apple. And they had the same testing that USC was doing, uh, given that their state was a little bit worse off at the time. To be clear, they only have to do one test a week. Yes. See, even USC had it even built more built in because they were doing at minimum eight tests per week. They had a PCR test. They had daily antigen tests every day. Damn. They had a test before they traveled and they had to, everyone had to be clear before they, 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 got on the plane or the bus, wherever they were going. Then you have to do a, a test the day of, and then you have to do a test 24, within 24 hours after playing the game. I think it was a little bit different if you were traveling. Like if you went to Arizona State, you had to get the test before you came back, um, as opposed to being the, the, home, the home team. But you had to get tested right after the game. So a JJ's lot making, more. JJ's making an unoptimistic face right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> That's yeah, a lot of things lot. that was, can go wrong. Yeah. It, every week it was like on Monday and Tuesday, we would be texting like, are we going to have a game this week? Are you hearing anything? Did anyone get popped? So it was a very, it was, it was a tightrope. It was a tightrope the whole season going week to week. How, how did the, how did the testing run? Like how, you know, did you get a chance to kind of see the, the operation? Like how, how organized was it and how, how were the results kind of disseminated to the media, obviously you weren't getting like specifics necessarily, but you know, how, how did that whole, whole process kind of play out? Cause we don't really know what to expect at the high school level as of right now. Yeah. We didn't get to really see like actually how the testing was being done other than like press releases, but, but USC would release uh, the COVID testing numbers every week across all, all the athletes and all the sports that were getting tested because they were still doing workouts for some teams, even though they weren't playing. So they would send us a report, I believe it was like every Sunday, and they would tell us like, oh, you had two positive tests, they've been quarantined, but for a different sport. If they were specifically for football, they would come out with a little more detail or 
specify that it was football just because that season was going on. Mm. And, you know, that's news, obviously. Um, but that's how they would do it. They report the numbers to us uh, weekly. And the testing was done in-house, correct? I know at Long Beach State, they have a vendor for some, but, uh, but JJ, I believe some of them are also done at the university medical center. Is that right? Yeah. So did, did USC just do it like through their medical facility or were they, do you know, were they contracting with an outside company? Well, they had a partnership. The, the whole Pac-12 and all the schools had a partnership with Quidel. So all their, I think some SEC schools were using them too, but they had a, a strict partnership with all the schools, they had the the rapid testing machines put in to the the athletic training rooms or whatever that could give you the test in 15 minutes. But they also did some of the tests were taken to USC's medical site to do it. Um, those were the more like in depth ones as opposed to like the quick rapid ones. Well, we were always trying to find new stories to write over the last year of not being able to write about sports. You still got games, you still got a season, but was your job that much different in a completely different original and unlike any other season did you feel the difference yeah you you could totally feel the difference just because we weren't able to go to practices it felt like a fan in that you did not get to see any sort of practices you barely got to talk to players in depth like you would on the practice field you couldn't really you could ask them about practice but you know it's hard to to gauge what you're what they're talking about without actually seeing it with your own eyes and when they would play on, on Saturdays, those would be the first times we'd see them all week. So we have to, you know, those warm-up pregame warm-ups are like the most important thing. We treated those not as important. Well, they were sort of important based on who you saw practicing this week, but these were like, you had to have the binoculars. You had to be Hawkeye to see, oh, this person is not suited up. They, so they didn't practice all week because the coaches could be a little bit more, you know, coy about who was actually practicing because we can't actually see that with our own eyes and validate that. And then, you know, you miss out on getting some of the some of the like little details about stuff like some of the best parts about covering, you know, with USC football or college football is those little moments you get after games where you could walk one on one with the player and get extra extra info that maybe another reporter isn't going to get on the beat. So you, you miss out on stuff like that. Um, but it was kind of interesting to do interviews with players because we'd have to do it over Zoom. So there'd be a lot of interesting. You get more time, at least one on one. And you could build a better relationship that way just because it's you and him talking for like 20 minutes. But you didn't really get as much detail because you can't actually see it with your own eyes. I did have to do a, an interview with a player while he was skateboarding back from practice. That's, that was that was interesting. <laughs> did he have his uh, ocean spray also? or <laughs> he, he did not. <laughs> no ocean spray, but it was very disorienting because he's like literally zooming on his phone and he's like ordering lunch or, or dinner sorry and like talking to players like what's going on man as he's going back to his dorm and it's very it was very weird and surreal well i'm, I'm glad he i'm certainly glad he didn't fall but you definitely would have had the scoop on the injury news if he had to. <laughs> yeah yeah i made that exact joke like starting offensive lineman breaks collarbone after practice sources confirmed exclusive footage <laughs> I was recording, so technically, yes, I, I have I have the footage. It is so. I mean, like what we're gonna deal with is already different because, like, I was at a practice yesterday. Like, they're not closing off practices or games. Like, we'll still be there, and there's gonna be fans as well because they're they're minors. They don't have a you know a plane that they take places. Their parents have to like be there to pick them up <laughs> when the game's over. But I think the current uh, plan from the Moore League is two tickets per kid. 
um, and you know, with, with the media access and stuff. So that, that'll be different. I, I can't, it's, you went through kind of what we've been going through with the Long Beach State basketball team, which feels like when you see in sci-fi movies, they have those special gloves that you put like to handle radioactive materials. <laughs> it feels like that, you know, it's like, you're, you're not really at the game. I mean, we're in the pyramid, but it's like, Tyler and I literally at the first game at the pyramid got yelled at for bumping elbows with one of the assistant coaches that we know. So like no touching hands off, hands off. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, that's good. I, I, it's good that you guys were able to adjust. I'm glad that we don't have to make quite as many adjustments as you. Cause I, the idea of like just zooming high school football or something sounds like hell. <laughs> no, it could be hell for sure. But yeah, we didn't even actually get that close to the players. We never, I don't think we ever saw a player up close other than maybe in an away game when they were walking, having their lunch or their, or their post, post-game meal. That, that was like the closest we ever got. Never really got close to any coaches because, you know, we weren't at practice. Every press conference or was done at like 8 a.m. in the morning. They bring them in before practice. So it was, I haven't seen a USC player up close in like a year which is very weird. Is that going to change? Are you guys still kind of on the same restrictions? What is everybody back on schedule? Like it would be in a normal spring right now. Well, spring is going to be delayed a month. So instead of, they probably would have been starting this week. They're going to start at the end of March. Um, they haven't really come out and said what's going to be in place for us as media. Um, I'm assuming right now they're still going to do, closed off practices still going to just do zoom press conferences. If you want a player request a player. Um, but I'm hoping that by like the fall, they'll be a little bit more open and maybe they'll have limited number of press masked up viewing for 20 minutes, sort of what we were going through in the first part of well, but prior to COVID hitting. You guys obviously do quite a bit of recruiting coverage as well. Are you guys going to be at high school football games? Is that like on the schedule? Are you going to get to actually go stand on the sideline at, at some football games? Yeah. I mean, that's the plan for right now. You'll, you'll probably see me out at some games, um, some events. Uh, CBS was actually really restrictive of its employees. We were not allowed to go anywhere when the state was shut down, which was kind of an interesting wrinkle. So I could, I could not, I guess legally isn't the right word, but I could not, based on my employer, cover anything. Um, huh. So I had an extra layer of uh, restriction on me. But, you know, with things going on, we're, we're planning to cover stuff. So we're, we're planning to go out to events and stuff. And a couple of my colleagues are already at, you know, some of the camps and they've already done some some stuff around the country that they're talking to kids at in 7-7 events. The big one in Pylon just happened. And I know a lot of our colleagues were out there. So it's sort of moving back a little bit to normalcy um but i'm expecting to cover some stuff this month be at some we're gonna see you next week games yeah poly sarah don't you go to like every poly sarah game i think i've gone to two and you drove me to both of them <laughs> look any excuse to hang out with you guys at a football game i'm there and you know there, there's prospects at the at those two schools so it's it's an easy it's an easy win for me so you can go get the first USC footage of uh, Dalen Austin at uh, Poly, the sophomore who's got – he's been racking offers up. Uh, and then Milliken's got a kid too. Has USC offered Ryan They Kelly have not, yet? but the I, I get tagged in his offers, so I, I see him blowing up. But USC's not on that one yet. Okay, so, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll be there soon. We, hey, we have talked about – that. you obviously got to do it with us for a few years. Like, we, we love football season. We have so much fun. We usually go get dinner before the games. We all hang out at my house and cut the videos. 
we haven't really even talked about it, but it's like, I guess we're just editing our videos by ourselves and doing Zooms for the calls. Like, it's good. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's good. It's definitely going to be weird. And I think like we were talking about with the testing, um, I don't think people understand how different this is going to be. Like, this is not September happening in March. You know what I mean? It's going to be a like brave new world, fingers crossed that maybe half the games get played you know, for these first couple of weeks, or if we drop 0.3 on the adjusted case rate next Tuesday, there's no tests. And you just say, okay, wear the masks and, you know, abide by social distancing and, and do your best. But uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting. We've seen some, some games already for this week. Some scrimmages got canceled up North with a two week shutdown because there was a positive. I know some teams in Southern California have canceled scrimmages so that they don't have to test this week. The CIF came out and said, Hey, Based on our interpretation, you don't have to test before a scrimmage because it's technically a practice opportunity. But of course, they're testing because it's two different high schools coming together, uh, which is still happening at a scrimmage. It doesn't matter whether you call it a practice or a game. I don't think that COVID-19 uh, is checking the newspaper <laughs> to see what the event is called. Um, so it's just a big unexplored area that I guess we're all going to enter together uh, next week. Yeah, Knock my advice wood. is just take it day week by week because it's not if it's going to be when and i wish it wasn't when a game gets canceled or delayed or whatever but that that's the nature of the beast right now and you know even even the schools that had million dollar testing being thrown at them still still lost games so i, I i'm and we even talked about it a little bit like how i can't even imagine how high school football would work uh like in the fall because people were still pushing for it without testing or even if they had testing and not everyone could get the same kind of testing like Bosco relative to Compton, it's just too different. At least with conferences, you could, you could regulate it a little more and make sure everyone had the same stuff. So I had no idea how it was going to work at the high school level. So this is a great big experiment upcoming. The, the, the one thing I will say about the fall is, you know, Orange, Orange County is in the red tier in the fall. So they could have, you know, by the current guidelines, they could have played without doing the testing, but yeah, I mean, you just said it like, I think one of the benefits that Long Beach football has is that it's almost all under one school school district with the uh, exception of, you know, uh, St. Anthony and then Compton in the Moore League. But the six other Moore League schools are under one school district with one set of rules with one league secretary employed by the school district. But, you know, all four of us covered suburban league, the SGBL, you have three, four, five different school districts that can be involved. And yeah, like, I, we've seen it. JJ, JJ, how many times has UCLA canceled on Long Beach State because their tests weren't expensive well, there's, enough? There's, like, <laughs> there's another softball game coming up this weekend. So I guess five, <laughs> if you just get, if you just count this one. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that the fourth time going to be the charm? If Long Beach State can actually play uh, UCLA in two any... men's basketball games, yep. beach one volleyball. beach volleyball yep. game. And we'll, we'll see, see if softball, softball happens. happens. I, I told Mike, that's the new flex canceling on a team because you got the broke boy test like yeah <laughs> which is straight up what they were doing <laughs> straight up what they were doing <laughs> i think that i think what's weird is i will say this i do think there's there's some ways we've talked about in which college and high school sports will be similar for the newness of this what's different is the overwhelming sentiment i've seen around college sports is hey these kids aren't getting paid you need to make sure that they're as safe as possible Let's test them as much as possible. All the high school parents that we hear from are like, I don't want my kid to be tested. I want them to get to play football. I'm aware of the risk of them getting the virus. 
it's their senior year in high school. I want them to do it anyway. And I, I do think that like the public pressure works in a little bit different direction. So I'll be curious uh, to see how that plays out over the next month or, or if we hit the red tier the next week, you know, we'll see. What, what's the majority, this is the last one for me, Beats. What's the majority of the fandom that reads your content feeling about this, the restrictions of COVID-19, obviously the USC being able to play a season when a lot of other football players in the nation weren't able to play a season. But what's the, what's the overall kind of percentage? Is it like 50-50? Some people taking it very seriously, other people's not? You know, every t- anytime you have a message board, you know it's going to get real wild and crazy and you're going to have to ban some people. So there was a lot of like, you know, stuff that you don't want to see on a board and like very you know, let, just let them play. It's, it's, it's the flu, basically let them play. It doesn't matter. There was a lot of that. And there was a lot of debate, like, no, we gotta, this is just the conferences just want to make money. So there was a lot of back and forth, but for the most part, people were pretty happy that football came back. They were more actually mad at the PAC 12 and Larry Scott, the commissioner for how long it took them to actually commit to playing football while the other big boy conferences were, all in from the get-go. The SEC was like, we don't care. We're doing it. We're going to make it happen. The Pac-12 was very hesitant. So they were more mad at the Pac-12. But for the most part, fans were happy to see a season being played. Uh, I would say, yeah. Even though it got ugly at times on the board. It got dark. It got dark on the boards. That's all I'm going to say. We've been flying through some dark clouds, Buitz. It's (laughs) not surprising that the message board for USC football is reflecting that. Uh, Sage advice from Vuitts all the way around, man. You're absolutely right. This experiment that will be spring high school football is exactly that. It's it's an experiment. And if anybody did an eighth grade science fair experiment, you know, no matter what your hypothesis is, the solution might be something completely different. So hang tight out there. And good good luck for you, man. I know all of this makes your job a lot more difficult. So so way to hang in there and, uh, and, and find a way to being delivering the Trojan football news. We appreciate you taking the time, bud. That touched my heart and warmed my heart. Before <laughs> I go, can I bring a little bit of my podcast to your podcast? Heck yeah. Sure. I, I, I do this segment. It's called Take It or Leave It. It's very simple. I, I throw something out there. It could be something very small. It could be a little topic. I don't care. You just tell me, do you take it or do you leave it? Okay. Are we allowed to elaborate? You're allowed to elaborate. You can just put it out there. You can say whatever you want. You can say as little as much as you want. You can explain yourself. It doesn't matter. But I just need you to take it or leave it. I'm just doing three. Um, I saw someone on Twitter bash people that sneak snacks into the movie theater. So are 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 you taking or leaving sneaking snacks into the movie theater? I'm taking that inside of one of eight pockets I have to take the, that into the theater. <laughs> I am absolutely taking it. And as my bunch of crunch jingles in my sweatshirt pocket, I have any number of looks for anyone <laughs> what that sound is. And I will be munching on my bunch of crunch for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I sneak snacks into everything. Am, am I the only one? <laughs> You're right. My mom used to, Movie theaters aren't even top five weirdest places I sneak snacks in. Yeah, my mom used to get mad at me for sneaking snacks into church, dude. I had to go, I had to go paper towel wrap over the food and get them out of that plastic because that plastic was blowing up my spot. Yes. I, I kn- do you have to answer? Do you, you I, have no, to answer I, I do not well, have to answer. Yes. I am off the hook. I just give it out there. I I look, 
I knew. Well, I've been to the movies with you. I know you're comfortable taking <laughs> movies, so I, I'm going to answer for you that you will take that. It's a hard, it's a hard take. I'm a neutral party, but I'm a hard take on it. I knew everyone here would be a hard take on it. I just needed to get that on record. You just, All right. Can I just point out that the dude who tweeted that has an anarchy tattoo on his shoulder as well? He has the anarchy A on his shoulder. That was the funniest thing about that tweet to me. Is like you're you're for anarchy except for <laughs> snack rules <laughs> murder the government but i draw the line of milk duds <laughs> that guy that guy's a different kind of a-list member <laughs> oh no oh no all right next one blt on a roll in a roll or on traditional sandwich bread Ooh. Sourdough. Yeah, I was actually that's exactly what I was gonna say was sourdough bread. I, I use every excuse to put sourdough bread in, around, and on anything. Yeah. Handshake. Emoji. I think I want, but I want it on a flat like a sandwich bread. I think that's the the way the BLT was intended. But like a nice sourdough loaf, like having that. You broke you broke your own format already. That wasn't a take it or leave it question. I, I'm, that's just ABC. I'm taking sourdough i also like on a blt when you squeeze the sandwich you feel the crunch of two out of the three things right you don't want your tomatoes to be crunchy but you want that you want that lettuce to be crunchy and you want that bacon to be a little bit crispy and i think you and want so the bread to, you build it, to grab it like i always get toasted sourdough Ooh. look i was just given i ordered a blt and i was given it in a roll and i was not prepared for that i i, I would have sent it back did you get mail? <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a B. I don't think I've ever heard. I think this is the first time I've ever heard of a BLT in a roll. I would have looked. I would have looked the waiter straight in the face and said, "Leave it." Yeah. <laughs> I didn't break the format. You take one and you leave the other. You're taking one on a roll, or you didn't say take it or leave it. You didn't say that. You said which one of the three. All right, Mike. It's the save segment. It the, it's save it for the message boards. All right, and finally, uh, the hip hop artist Sweetie. Posted a video where she put ranch on her spaghetti. Are you- leave it. <laughs> uh, leave it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to leave that too. Ranch on spaghetti. Do less. Do so much less. Yeah, I think- Tyler's thinking oh. it over. He's trying to pay. He's, He's trying a to big ranch it. man. He's a big ranch guy. I am, I am a. I am a ranch fan, but I, you got to leave it. Although I will say, I have. It's a ranch too far for Tyler. <laughs> you occasionally do get the little like uh, residue if you've got like a plate, like a salad on the same plate as your spaghetti, like if you're at a cookout or whatever. So sometimes you get that, you know, like the fractional, but she was like pouring it on like. Like, yeah. like white sauce at Halal Guys. That's That's I was just going to say that that being said, I am a sucker for some chicken Alfredo and Alfredo sauce and ranch aren't really that far apart, guys. I, I, might, ta- I might take it back because I do like myself some white pasta sauce. This is the argument I've gotten into with several poly basketball coaches over the years about ketchup on tacos. And I, it's a, it's a big no for me, but it's like an inner city delicacy. Like a lot of black people make their, their tacos with ketchup. And I think it was Shell's argument. He was like, what's the difference between ketchup and salsa? I was like, I don't know, but it's a big enough difference for me personally. (laughs) There is a difference. I mean, you're not putting salsa on a hot dog. Not even. Like, Got to introduce that guy to a freaking jalapeno, bro. There's, there's a few differences. <laughs> Those are my take it or leave it. Thank you guys for letting me bring one of my segments over to your great podcast. I appreciate. I'll take it. it. Thank you. 
And that wraps up another episode of What Up Long Beach. Thank you to all of our supporting sponsors and partners, the Long Beach Post, Naples Rib Company, Long Beach LTD. We also want to give a special shout out to Ocean Law Center, our newest sponsor, helping injured people and their families. Visit OceanLawCenter.com to get more information on the services they provide. Thank you to Ocean Law Center for their support of Long Beach sports coverage. <laughs>